Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell coming from snowy Denver. We had a snow day this week, so very exciting. Oh, very exciting. Yes, yes. Well, and I had excitement last evening as we record this. It was the winter showcase, winter, little theme there, winter showcase at the high school that my son John goes to. And it showcases all the different dance classes that they have at the high school. The school does not have a ton of electives, but it definitely has a wide array of dance classes from levels to styles. So there is, you know, hip hop one to ballet five and jazz and I don't know, just a whole bunch of styles. Okay, yeah. so it is a wide range of dancers and it is they have a winter showcase and then a spring showcase and it's part of the kids' grades, kind of a final, if you will, for, for those electives. So it is just, there's so much energy and the audience yells stuff encouragement to the kids on stage and and that's not, <laughs> not just my, stuff but encouragement yeah, encouragement okay, yeah so and it, that's not my style but i have decided you know what if other people can do it i'm gonna do it too so i don't just yell for john but you know i, I there's you know this is gal inez that he's danced with all four years and i'm like yeah you go inez and, <laughs> and it just fits in and then it'll start other people cheering for them so it's super fun so anyway there was a lot of excitement and energy in the house when we got home last night and so Augie, our French bulldog, was kind of riled up. And when I'm sure like a lot of dogs, when Augie chews on something that he knows he's not supposed to chew on, he has a very guilty look on his face. So he had that look on his face. And I was like, what is he chewing on? And he runs around. He won't let me get it. And finally, he drops what it is. And it looks like just like a chewed up piece of like rawhide or something. Okay. And, and so I pick it up and I uh, walk it over to John and I'm like, do you know what this is? He goes, that's my foot underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and so lesson for me last night was that instead of wearing dance shoes, if you want to be for certain styles of dance, if you want to be able to spin with less effort and move kind of on the floor surface better, you put on what literally when you un you know unmangle it from the dog's mouth looks like a little tiny pair of under like doll underwear, but then <laughs> but then yeah. has the thing that he must have liked that Augie must have liked about it is that it has two pads that seem to be made from suede or some type of leather product. Okay. on the bottom of them okay and so and i mean so that all they do is you basically i think kind of hook it between your big toe and the rest of your toes and then it just only goes to underneath the ball of your foot and it's what? okay a very light tan i assume you can get them in different skin tones and so anyway so john goes mom you gotta wash that that thing's gross <laughs> like fair enough fair enough yeah did he destroy it 
thankfully, no. And then, well, after he yells out, that's my foot underwear. He says, those cost $34 a pair. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no, you don't, Augie. So thankfully, he hadn't done any lasting damage to it. So today when I did laundry, I threw it into my delicates bag along with my handful sports bra. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, I got to say, so you were like, oh, he likes it because of the pads. And I was like, "Mm, he might like it because it smells like feet. Feet. Or if he's like (laughs) other dogs that I might have known in my lifetime that tend to gravitate towards just the plain old underwear. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which is a different, different, different dog conversation. But I'm just saying. fragrance than feet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's coming in a lot, a lot of different doors there for hogs. I'm glad he didn't, he didn't destroy it. It's funny when Mason has something he, Banjo doesn't chew much, but when Mason has something he doesn't, he knows he shouldn't have, he like brings it to me almost like for permission. Like he'll bring like, you know, like, uh, like a Chobani yogurt, you know, that's like empty, you know, (laughs) like brings me the container and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm like, well, no, you can't have that, you know, and like, you know, or he'll bring me, you know, I mean, anything he'll bring. I mean, he's not a sock person, but yeah, our sock oh, dog. Dude, but yeah. I just remember, and and if my mother was still alive, she would. I know she would totally remember this when you wrote that essay for real simple way back when oh. about your dog that would swallow because that was not Dharma, right? Was that it the was dog? Dharma? Dharma oh, was Dharma. all the socks. Are you going to say socks? I was going to say socks, and that you wrote an essay about it, and my mother. Uh, was a fan of Real Simple Magazine and certainly knew you. This was before we were in business together. And so she read it. And I was sure she being like, and my mother was not a pet person. Oh, <laughs> I think I've told you this before. <laughs> she was just like, I would have just let the dog like she had no sympathy for like trying to help the dog or anything. My mother was <laughs> my mother had a big heart, but when it came to pets, she'd grown up on a farm, so she was very utilitarian in her approach exactly. to them. She There's was, always another dog around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. No, so, Dara would eat the socks and then like poop them out at the dog park. We'd be like, oh, that's where my you know specialized cycling sock went. You know, my yeah, red one. Yeah. I found it. <laughs> well, that was the thing that I said to I said to John. I'm like, well, where's your other foot underwear? He's like, it should be downstairs. I'm like, you better go check. Because, and I thought immediately of, of Dharma, I thought, because otherwise we're going to have to like watch for it to come out the other end. Like, yeah. Okay. Yes. And then, no, and then I, I think know. John would not accept me just washing it for the record. No, I think. no. Those ones, you got you to gotta chalk it up for the loss there. You know, <laughs> not going to pick that one out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So, well, all right. Well, going back to winter, you had mentioned that you got snow and I, I can't relate to that right now. We did have some freezing rain and a little bit of snow earlier on. But our first question is Stephanie, who wants to know how cold is too cold? Hi, Serendipity. This is Stephanie calling from upstate western New York area. We're kind of in the throes of the beginning of winter here, and I'm training for a spring marathon. I guess I'm interested to hear what everybody's temperature cutoff is. For running outside, I know different parts have different different temperatures. For me, it's about 32 degrees. That's when I kind of wuss out and hit the treadmill. But I guess I'm just wondering if I need to suck it up a little bit more and get out there more, or if what I'm doing right now will cut it. Thanks so much. Hope you have a good day. Bye-bye. Right. I love that she was like, I live in upstate New York, mid something like there was like four adjectives next to it. It was, it was. And then as as we will tell people that we source this on Facebook and so many people totally related to her definition of where she lived. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So I do love this question. Like I said, we crowdsourced it because I thought, well, 
you know, finding out from Dimity how it's cold is too cold in me. That's, you know, just a, a party of two. That's not not too thrilling. So posted that on the Another Mother on our Facebook page and get this, Tim. We got 193 responses. People wanted to <laughs> chime in and we got a bunch of pictures that I'm having our graphic designer put together as a collage to be the image for this episode. So, oh, I, good. I, yes, good. yes, yes, yes. So like we did on last episode of Answers, I suggest that we read some of the responses because you and I know there are some hardy women runners out there. Uh, yes, for sure, our, for sure. In, in our group. So, okay, so let's start with this response from Nicole. The temps don't bother me with the right layers, but I am cautious now on the wear factor as my neighbor's route here in Iowa gets dicey when people don't clear sidewalks, but the city is great about keeping local trails clear. Happy winter running. You'll enjoy it. Promise. I gotta say that's really smart advice from Nicole. I, mm-hmm. I and, and it's funny, our city parks, like, I swear sometimes they get cleared, like the paths in them get cleared before the roads do. I mean, <laughs> classic Colorado. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's so nice. So that's very smart. So yeah, definitely be careful. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a little while. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, here are some more responses getting colder as we go. And we are going to link to the Facebook post in the show notes if you want to see all the responses, if you want to see where you weigh in. Mm-hmm. So Lauren says, if I'm training for something, I go out no matter what. Mm. However, if I'm not training for anything, I have an informal cutoff of if the feels like temperature is 25. So yeah, I uh, got to condone that one mental toughness there. Mm-hmm. Sylvia is in Central Texas. 32 degrees was her coldest race, which she won because mm-hmm. yay. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, she ran in 17 degrees, 11 degree wind chill, and it was an awesome eight miles. So tell her to lace up, buttercup. That's coming mm-hmm. from Sylvia, not me, Stephanie, yeah. just yeah. so you know. <laughs> and then finally, Audrey said, uh, 10 degrees with the Colorado sun, no wind and clear sidewalks was my limit when race training. Now I'm a fair weather runner for sure. I got to say, Audrey, that's totally, I remember a day that my friend Bina and I always laugh about this because... It was like nine degrees and we're like, we're going like we just have to go, you know, and I, I will say no wind in a sunny sky does mm-hmm. make it feel not so bad. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, with time, a fair weather runner feels much more uh, appropriate term for me. Not badass yeah. when it comes to temperatures. <laughs> well, and it also depends on, you know, someplace like Colorado that has wild fluctuations in its weather. You know, as as you've talked about, you had snow two days ago or one day ago, and, you know, it might well be 60 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the, the big thing, I mean, you know, in the summertime, it's humidity. Mm-hmm. It's wind chill. And I guess like, I don't know, damp air just feels colder. Oh. It's, a, it's a dry cold. It's a dry warm, you know? It, well, it is. And I mean, having me having lived in San Francisco off and on for eight years, damp cold just goes right through you. You know, San Francisco is famously about 55 degrees year round, but it is it is the coldest 55 degrees you'll ever feel. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Going back to the Facebook responses, Carmen, she's in Maine and she's adjusted to feeling like the 30s are warm. <laughs> and she said it depends on ice. And if she can get on a trail with traction on her shoes, then she's good for anything above zero, she says, with a caveat, with a lot of layers. And then, Anne, this harkens to you saying if it's a sunny day in Colorado, she says, Anne says, as an early morning 5.30 a.m. runner, I don't get the sun's warmth. My cutoff used to be 10 with wind chill, but now it's more like zero. Wait, it was negative 10. Negative 10. Oh, negative 10. All right. Negative 10 wind chill. Now it's more like zero. Thank you. That that, I thought that was just kind of like a little um, hyphen or something. And then also... Not running if it's icy dicey. 
I like that term, Anne. Or Icy Goosey. Goosey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Righty tighty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Anne says that the, the secret is layers and that she goes through a lot of hand warmers. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So Emily prefers running outside and have layered up and went out in negative temperatures. Negative 10 Fahrenheit is her cutoff. Mm-hmm. But it depends on wind and wind chill precipitation if the sun is out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Laura, who's from Canada, the temperature has less to do with it than the conditions. She's run in anywhere from negative 16 Fahrenheit to negative 22 Fahrenheit or 27 to 30 Celsius if you, you know, <laughs> if you have to be like the rest of the world. <laughs> but she says it's how messy or dangerous the surfaces are. But this is helpful. So as for gear and cold weather, a running balaclava, mm-hmm. thermal hat, or at least a thermal hat and neck warmer pulled up over your mouth and nose, plus Vaseline on any exposed areas. That's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Wear ski goggles when it's so cold that your so your eyeballs don't freeze. And she also wears nano spikes. So, yeah, that's hardcore, Lara. And I applaud you. And I mm-hmm. definitely remember like days where I could see that being a reality. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, as you get older, you're just like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could be okay without it. Uh, yeah. or, postpone it for another day and eyeballs freezing i'm sorry that sounds like something out of a james bond movie you know like a form of torture to get you to talk i do have to say that we had uh speaking of goggles they did a dance last night a piece called skia where they're on skis and we had we posted them doing the the jefferson dancers doing it in a different setting and so they weren't in the full outfit and there wasn't impressive lighting and everything and so but last night when they do this number, I forgot that they wear ski goggles <laughs> and these form fitting form leaves nothing to the imagination suits that are kind of this because of the light. It's hard to tell, but they're kind of silvery, almost hologrammy with, you know, kind of like the way a CD back in the day would kind of sure. shimmer and give yeah. you different colors or sort of like a salmon, almost uh, a live salmon, not salmon on your plate. And uh, so anyway, so ski goggles. <laughs> <made me think laughs> All right. And so and then here are the pragmatists and the cheerleaders. So Deb says, learn to enjoy it. Winter running can really be lovely. Safe running surface is my only requirement in upstate New York. Have good gloves and warm clothes. Once you get going, you'll find that you are plenty warm. I like that advice. Uh, I definitely discovered that while I was at Colgate when I was back at my Colgate University when I was back in my early running days. And Lynn said, I really hate the cold, but we'll go outside to run in any temp, usually wearing way too many layers, just knowing that I will warm up by the end of the first mile. I've never regretted it, no matter how bad or cold I was at the start of the run. She typed mad. I think she means bad. Maybe she means mad. Could be angry at the cold, for (laughs) sure. Yes. And then there's JB. 40 is my cutoff. I live in the South. I can dress like it's suggested for negative 10 degrees and I'm still cold. That said, it can be 108 degrees and I'm running. So <laughs> it definitely is, you know, your perspective. Like, you know, here, here's, you know, we're debating how cold's too cold. Well, other people are like, oh my gosh, I won't run if it's over 70 degrees. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Stephanie and everybody else, check out our website on Friday, January 27th, which if you're listening to this will be next Friday, this Friday. Because we're doing a winter running gear roundup. So you can find all the gear that can help you face the temperatures and the conditions that you're facing this winter. We'll be back with more of our of your questions and our answers after this quick break. Stick around. Okay, this is trail runner Megan, whose confidence was shaken by a fall. 
Hi, I'm Megan from the Philadelphia area. Love your podcast, programs, and website. I've been running and racing on trails for about 15 years, and this past weekend was a first, unfortunately a bad first. I had to bail out on a 15-mile trail race at mile five because I turned my ankle. The pain was pretty severe, and I knew I just couldn't finish. It's a minor but it's completely shaken my confidence. I've fallen before on trail runs and races, but I've never had an injury like this. Any advice for getting back out there? Thanks again, ladies. So thanks for the brand love, Megan. And I'm so sorry to hear about your DNF and the ramifications of it. Uh, Dimity, uh, needless to say, I immediately thought of you when I heard this message. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because I'm <laughs> limping around lately. I'm not clomping so much in the boot. I'm a little bit more light on my feet. But yes, Ooh. definitely. I hear you, Megan, on turning your ankle. I'm glad that it's just a minor strain. That's definitely the best outcome you can hope for. Yeah, yeah. So, Dim, when I listened to Megan's question, did you also get the sense that she was talking about how to get over her fear of hurting herself again and how to ease back into trail running or just getting over the fear? Oh, I think it was a little bit of both, but I think it's definitely the fear, like, because she's never done it before, you know? I mean, she said she's fallen before, but not, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a little bit like um, getting back on the horse, right? And so, yeah, I think that that's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's totally understandable, especially, I mean, it's scary and you're like, and and you're on the trail, so it's rife with possibility, right? (laughs) Like, anytime you turn around to, you know, come around a corner, you have (laughs) another opportunity to, to potentially, you know do something, harm yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't life itself like that? Um, No. So Megan, in your situation, I would suggest reminding yourself of all the runs and races you did in your 15 years on the trail. I mean, that's a long time to be a dedicated trail runner rather than, you know, fixating on the sprained ankle in one race. Think about as a percentage that there are way more runs and races where you didn't hurt yourself. And so it's kind of like flying when my older daughter recently got back from her first round of solo flights and she was telling me how she was anxious. So I tried to remind her that, you know, yes, accidents do happen on rare occasion, but think of how many plane flights there are in a year that do not crash. So the problem is that you hear about the ones that crash like over and over and over again. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to be like, oh, this one landed safely. That that doesn't make news. But right. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would just say, yeah, I mean, I that I that was going to give very similar advice. I mean, yes, it's, it is it can definitely be a little bit nerve wracking to get back out there again. But I would just say if you're nervous about twisting your ankle again, when you're back out to running again, just take it slow, take it easy almost like tell yourself, like, I am strong, I can handle this. You can also do probably, I know, not probably, I know you can do ankle strengthening exercises, Mm -hmm. which might be helpful. But running on the trails for 15 years, I mean, that's probably my guess is that she's probably got some pretty strong ligaments and tendons around her ankles just by factor of of running on uneven surfaces for that long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. And what I thought maybe you were going to suggest him when you were going down that trail, um, no pun intended, was (laughs) to maybe stick to if if she has an opportunity to pick and choose which trail she runs on, kind of start off on the more bunny slope trails, as it were, you know, the ones that that she knows has fewer rocks, um, you know, fewer trees, so that there's fewer roots, that sort of thing. I mean, I have realized in some parts of the country, you don't have that choice. But, you know, like here in Portland, there's ones that are really kind of more 
like a fire road. And so those are a lot smoother than the single kind of gnarly single track that go up and round and over everything. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely keep it smooth. And the other thing, you know, this wasn't a race and I just want to, I could be totally making this up, but mm-hmm. I mean, the trail races that I used to do, you end up running maybe a little bit faster than you used to. And then you mm-hmm. also end up running in a group, you know, you're mm-hmm. running in kind of yes. a, like a single file line. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if like that may have brought on the the, the ankle twist, just like because you maybe didn't see a rock or you were concentrating on the person in front of you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would also, if you are trying to kind of rationalize like and, and you're anxious about doing it again, you know, mm-hmm. just be like, well, that was that was that situation. If I'm out here by myself or, you know, with a friend that I'm very comfortable running with, like, mm-hmm. you know, that might not happen. Yeah, that's a really good point, because when you're out there by yourself, you can scan the upcoming terrain so much more easily than if you have, you know, a, a line of runners ahead of you and you can't really look to see what the ground is is offering up. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So and I know that that when I return to running after an injury, I always always battle that I'll be starting back too soon and end up at square one. And that is so much of what I grappled with last summer and fall with my bulging discs that I just was like, okay, I feel good walking around and accomplishing life, you know, bringing the groceries from Trader Joe's, that sort of, ooh, success. And, uh, you know, that, that it was sort of only when I listened really deep inside my body a few weeks ago that I finally heard it tell me that it was okay to start back up running. And the difference I felt when I did start running, yeah, I guess I was two weeks ago maybe, than when I tried back in late August and then again in late September, the difference there, I was just like, wow, I don't feel any pain anywhere as oh, I'm doing that's this. that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, yeah. So take it slow and yeah, yeah. Keep keep your eyes in front of you. All right. This is Heidi who has butt issues on the rowing machine. This is Heidi calling from very cold and snowy South Dakota. My question for you is I have started to use a rower for cross training, but my butt goes to sleep while I'm doing it. Any advice on how to prevent that? Thank you for your answers. Look forward to hearing it. So, Dim, I figured we might have some thoughts on this since we were both rowers in our younger days and your your hubs grant just resumed rowing last year, I believe. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. And so before we get to a response, I have to ask you a debate that I had with the mother of my older daughter, Phoebe's boyfriend yesterday, coincidentally, which is that that woman's name is Maria. And Maria has a water rower, which is I think it's a really high-end rowing machine that has a large, circular, clear plastic repository of water and that runs horizontal or parallel, uh, perpendicular to the floor, sorry. And so that then there is a kind of a flywheel that is going through the water. So it almost, it gives you a little sense of the feeling of being on the water. But this Maria's younger son is on a high, wonderful high school rowing team here, and he just won't touch the water rower. They have it there in their house. You'd think this kid would be all over it because, <laughs> oh, look, I can train at home. Nope. He's like, nope. It's either concept two ergometer or nothing. And the concept two ergometer is the classic, you know, you and I both know we've spent a lot of time on those things. And they are the, what, what you know, collegiate rowers train on and that they have the crash B sprints on and all those things. So I told her I didn't like either one of them, but <laughs> so actually. <laughs> prefer a water rower. So do you have a preference when it comes to rowing machines? Uh, well, I'm going to side with the teenager here, actually, mm, um, mm, because elitist. it is. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, exactly. Well, so the concept, too, is like the 
it's it's just kind of the gold standard, you know. It is, I mean, it is. and mm-hmm. so like when you do any kind, if you go to like indoor regatta where everyone's on a ergometer, that's going to be what it is. So yep. I mean, the you know, there's nothing wrong with a water rower, but it does have a different feel, and mm-hmm. um, especially if this kid is kind of driven by his splits. I don't know if even the splits from the water rower like correlate with Translate. that of uh, yeah. yeah with yeah, a, yeah. But but this was Maria wondering, you know, that she is she's um was like oh i was suggesting to her that she get out and walk she's um just kind of looking to add more activity to her life and she's like oh well we do have a water rower i'm like oh yeah get on that thing if you want so sure yeah no i mean absolutely like there's nothing wrong with it you know Mm -hmm. for playing up exercise but if you like are you know looking to win your seat race or whatever get into (laughs) a better boat you know and and that's not Mm -hmm. the concept too is going to be I don't know. But yes, there, there is a little bit of snobbishness going on there for sure. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so back to Heidi and her butt issues. That So I am going to admit that when rowing in a shell, you know, so being in an actual boat, my butt would oftentimes get really sore right underneath my sit bones, but my, my fanny never fell asleep. Did you have that issue ever, Dim? <laughs> Did your butt ever fall asleep, Dim? <laughs> you know, I don't even, I mean, I think I've blocked out everything from rowing, so um, I don't I don't honestly don't remember. I mean, I definitely remember, you know, when we were done, like in in between pieces or something like that, kind of like shifting my weight back and forth, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of maybe, you know, picking up one cheek or the other to kind of Mm -hmm. find some more. So I'm sure that it did. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, is it a is it a strong, striking memory? No. (laughs) But is it very possible? I mean, my butt gets sore riding a bike now. Right. I can remember Mm -hmm. that so that, yeah, or goes numb or, you know, that that kind of thing for sure. So, My yeah. butt sometimes gets sore from sitting too much during the workday. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So I mean, one of the things Heidi could try is getting a seat pad, um, mm-hmm. which is just it's just, or you could even like make your own out of foam and just like mm-hmm. cut out, you know, something that um, that that's a lot of people did that. I remember people would carry on their seat pads, oh, regatta, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. put them in their seats. So mm-hmm. that's one thing to just give you another little like layer of plush underneath your bum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was surprised that Amazon sells those. I mean, why should I be surprised? Amazon sells everything. <laughs> uh, they have several models of them, in fact. And uh, um, also, I have to say, it's funny that when Alex was our podcast producer, he had me get a whole bunch of foam to put around me in the recording studio. And he had all these high hopes of making kind of a wall of them. Oh, no, they're just piled up in front of me and in the window <laughs> that's in front of me. And, you know, the cats or the dog will occasionally chew on them when they can't find some foot underwear. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I say, well, maybe Heidi hit up, you know, maybe Heidi order a shirt and Sarah can send you some foam along with it. Right, right, right. So I did find a thread on a discussion forum on a website for the maker of um, Concept 2 about getting a numb butt. And several folks suggested stretching your glutes and hamstrings before rowing or erging. And that might solve the issue. And I definitely know that for me... That was that's part of the problem. I um, when I would get sore under my sit bones, it seemed like if I could stretch out, particularly my hamstrings or roll my IT band, that that helped. Um, yeah, with yeah. the problem. Some, yeah. Well, and if you do have you know aspirations like this high school child that, that <laughs> I made up, that I made up his aspirations, didn't make up his pre- his be- entire being. <laughs> but they do have shorts that have padding in them. You don't want yeah. like cycling shorts because that's actually padding your crotch, you want padding on your bum. <laughs> and so they're called trow, T-R-O-U. 
Yes. Grant actually asked for some new pairs for Christmas, which my kids oh. thought was hilarious. They were like, oh, my gosh. Is it?" He asked. <laughs> just laugh. I mean, you know, we are where we are in our lives. It's OK. But he asked for some new trial because he's wearing his from like, you know, late. Well, gosh, when was he? He was in a little after, like like the late 90s. I'm like, they still have elastic in them. Like, <laughs> but they, they work. And um, but then they have to have a life jacket on them because they're out, you know, no, they do not. Yes, yes. But they make life jackets now that, I mean, they don't have to wear it. They don't have to yes. wear it. <laughs> okay. But they, it, so they make a life jacket that you can put around your, it's like a fanny pack, basically. So you oh. don't even notice that. So Grant got a life jacket for Christmas. And Ben, <laughs> being Ben, thought he was very funny um, that he got him first, um, like some unicorn floaties, you know, that you would give to like oh, a nice. two-year-old. Yes. He's yes. like, here's your life jacket. And then he's oh, like, fabulous. No, oh, my gosh. The real one. But, do you yeah. think that is true just at the reservoir? where Grant Rose or you think that's now universal across the I don't know I don't know it might just be the Cherry Creek Rowing Club because you know it's it's much more independent than you mm. know like a, a college team or a high school team where you're out do they have a coach go out and launch um, not all the time no oh, I mean I think, that's it. I think that's it yeah so and mm-hmm. but even in the regatta they had that a kind of a their first regatta ever um, mm. and they I think everyone I don't I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Mm. All I know is that Grant okay. needed a life jacket. So Okay. Okay. Anyway, and so we yeah, have, so we have also just talked tossed around a lot of lingo, you know, uh, <laughs> with, uh Well, that's why I called. I said it's called trow. Yeah, so but yes, that's uh, I mean, yeah, oh, I you can find it on a rowing site, yeah. Yes, yes, but that's an excellent idea. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that in some rowing unitards, which is a really good look. Um, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> gosh, I loved unitards back in the day. I used to work out, so I would row in a unitard. I had ones for doing, you know, step class. I would wear them just at the gym in general. I had such a large collection of unitards. Wow. wow. I need to, I need to, if, if there are photos that still exist, I need to try to dig them up somewhere. I know. But, I think yeah. we almost need to, yeah, find our unitard collection. <laughs> I know that I gave those away with, you know, the kitchen oh, sink most, and a couple other things. <laughs> I most definitely did. And I actually, since, since I was on a master's team that had, you know, it was um, the team uniform, I gave it back to, you know, one of my teammates because I was like, okay, I'm moving up to Portland. Here, you can have my Marin rowing unitard. And she was grateful for it. Have a clean one, the one that doesn't stink quite so much. <laughs> kind of like those toe underwear. <laughs> toe underwear. Feet underwear. Foot, foot underwear. underwear. Foot, foot underwear. underwear. Okay, yes, sorry. this morning when I put the laundry in, I said out loud in the laundry room, foot underwear. Tell Demony about foot underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. All right. Well, so um, if you have any questions about foot underwear or anything else, I'm um, kind of random. <laughs> Random, uh, give us a call at 470-BADASS-1, which is 470-223-2771. Leave your first name and where you're calling from. And the more adjectives, the better. We love them, Stephanie. <laughs> yes. Please keep your message to about a minute or less. The number is in our show notes, so no need to memorize the digits while you're running, rowing, doing laundry, whatever. Yes, 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 yes. And please consider joining us at our Redmond, Oregon retreat. That is June 9th through 12th. It is different than all our other retreats. I mean, it has a lot of the same elements with we bring in experts, we go on morning runs, there's amazing food, amazing meals, lots of laughs. There's karaoke on the final night and you can participate or spectate one or the other. It's fine. But instead of having a race, it is going to be hiking centric. So Dimity is going to be very much in her element and we are going to be hiking at the incredibly scenic smith rock state park google it 
I promise you'll want to come to our retreat. And we only have a few spots left and we have to book the hotel rooms or you have to book the hotel room. So please go to anothermotherrunner.com, click on events and you'll find all the details and you can register there. And our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Nice. Keep those questions coming. We're here with answers. And I mean, I was going to say foot socks, but oh my gosh, I said it wrong already. Feet socks. I don't foot, know. Trousers. Foot underwear. Foot yes. underwear. I oh, think feet I... socks. Oh my God. Okay. Forget it. All right. We're done. See you next time. <laughs>